0: Hey everybody, it's Dr. Nick. In this episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Nick Housley, the Director of Clinical Research at Modus Nova. This is the second time I'm chatting with Dr. Nick on the show. This time around, we're talking about how goal setting is key during recovery, as well as the importance of creating better communication and understanding between doctors and patients to improve care after brain injury. Boom, Intro done. Hi, I'm Joe, And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Neuro-Nerds. NeuroNerds. Yes, that was our time. <laughs> I, feel on I feel pretty good about that.
1: Neuro-Nerds.
0: After brain injury, it's common to feel like life as you knew it is gone forever. You may not be sure how to move forward and regain a sense of control and purpose, but there is hope. You can absolutely start living a meaningful and purpose-driven life after brain injury. It just might look a little different than it did before. That's where Rocky Recovery comes in. It's a step-by-step program designed specifically for brain injury survivors who want to start living their best life again. I'll help you set goals that are meaningful, attainable, and give you purpose post-brain injury so you can focus on recovery and start enjoying life once again. If you're ready to start living your best life after brain injury, enroll in Rocky Recovery today at goals.uso.rock.coach. Now let's go rock your recovery together. Welcome to the No Nerds. Who do I have with me? Very special guest. One of my, one of my, one of my people, right? One of I, I was gonna say normies, but he's not a normie. He's actually part of this amazing community. He's uh, uh, one of the, the the main cogs in the system that is Modus Nova, one of our partners. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Nick. What's up, Dr. Nick? Not much, Joe. Thanks for having me
1: back. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here with you again today.
0: Of course. I, I, I love talking to you, Dr. Nick. I really appreciate your, your perspective on everything. And I say, I always kind of get forget that you're part of this community. Like I do. It's very rare that I get to speak to somebody on the other side because you're in the, how do I put this? I guess the, the, the tech neuro side of things. And very rarely do I speak to somebody like on a neuro side, I Think, oh yeah, by the way, I have a brain injury as well. I forget that you're you're one of us. You're one of us. <laughs> one of us. <laughs> well, yeah, I I feel very
1: fortunate to be able to be uh, have unique insight into both perspectives here. So yeah, I think it, it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad I can kind of. Uh, have some life experience from both perspectives. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that was very cool. I always feel like we have like an inside man. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like this is (laughs) like (laughs) a mental neuro brain heist when it comes to like recovery. Like we have somebody inside because there's so many people that make decisions and base things on what they feel is best for our community. You experience it. You've experienced it. So you understand, hey, you know what? maybe a little bit more left instead of to the right, because that makes sense because I'm the expert of having a brain injury. I I, I love that. Like you're that, that's what you are now. You're doctor inside man Housley.
1: <laughs> is, that, is that good? I, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. The, the name is, the name will keep getting uh, longer, I guess, but yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting to be able to have that perspective. And I, I feel actually in a really kind of privileged position such that I kind of have that insight, mm-hmm. but I also feel the sort of the need, the the commitment to the community to also take kind of what I've learned and and really make it as accessible as possible, because I think there there's you know not everyone can can do this. right. And so I, I really enjoy the opportunity to disseminate some of that information, the data. So yeah, I, I love these kind of conversations and being able to share what I've learned over the years.
0: Yeah. So we're just gonna keep on adding on to your name. It's gonna be really weird if you're gonna have like a, a, a inner company softball game and you have to fit all of the nicknames on your back. It, you we'll might just go around like the
1: sleeve or down and around. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just gonna keep
0: on going in a circle round and round and round. It's <laughs> like man, Dr. Nick is very impressive. <laughs> so, if nothing else, if nothing else though the the name will keep getting longer.
1: Whether or not that ties to of impressiveness, a different story
0: entirely. I think if you keep on adding to anything, it becomes more and more impressive. So Dr. Nick, so I think speaking of perspectives, you have such a unique perspective on the creation of working with this company, uh, uh, helping uh, in the creation of like the Modus Hand, the Modus Foot, I believe too. I don't don't, don't really know much about the Modus Foot. I I mess with the Modus Hand, which is an amazing piece of machinery, but also the fact that like you, Have you've recovered yourself? You had your own brain injury recovery journey, which I just I love so much. So I I wanted to talk a little bit about like goal setting. Right. I think it's really important after a brain injury to like set goals. Now, a lot of times and I don't know if you've experienced this with people in the community or even yourself. Initially, your goals are like way too broad and they're way too out there. Now, when I say out there, it's more along the lines of, yeah, I want the old me back. And that's like, that's cool. Not necessarily attainable, really, because that version is kind of gone. We can figure out how to get back some of the things that you used to be able to do, maybe or even exceed where you used to be. At least that's like where I'm coming from. I'm coming from where I don't want that old version of myself. I want the newest, best version of myself moving forward. That took a while, though. It didn't initially start with like, oh, let me take these gradual steps, improve these things it was just like, I I just want to be better in everything. You know, I'm standing. So I want to full, I want to sprint now. It was like the, the goals, uh, they weren't small. They were just really jumbled and strange, uh, uh, early on during your own personal recovery. Did you have like crazy goals? Did you have like uh focused goals or w- were you always like, you know what, this is exactly how you're supposed to recover in this way. Or, you know, like how, what, tell me about like your uh, goal setting early on in recovery.
1: Yeah, this is, this is interesting. So I think, first of all, Joe, there's a lot of really interesting things that we could talk about in, in the, the kind of discussion there. I think the goal setting is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, also making sure that they're measurable and tractable. We can talk about all of that stuff, as well as kind of having a little bit of understanding that you kind of already mentioned this, but fundamentally we're kind of different after we've had a neurologic injury, right? Like the our, our states are just different. That kind of emerges from my understanding of the world that you and I emerge from neural circuits. Our, our personalities emerge from that because that's how it works. And so, you know, when you have a neurologic injury and some of those fundamental components are just altered, whether or not it's damaged or they're not working in the same way, we have got a, we're kind of different. Um, and, and kind of recognizing that and understanding that can also help us give a little... Bit of grace to ourselves to to be different, which is okay. Right. But yeah, uh, back to so happy to talk about all those things. I think it'd be great to to incorporate um, some of our unique experiences as well as maybe some of the data into the discussion. I, I kind of found myself at a really unique position when I had my injury. So at this point, actually, it was it's ten years ago, as of March twenty fourth of so, it was March twenty fourth, twenty twelve, and so I was actually. A professional bike racer at that time. And so I was a competitive athlete and trying to do the Olympics, trying to do a whole professional athlete thing. And so I came at it out of that brain injury with that sort of mindset of, well, I was still on a professional contract. There was kind of this obligation and expectation that I would get back to that level. And so there was this sort of uh, almost imposed goal and, and imposed timeline for this because. Uh, professional sports, it's you're only as good as your last race or last event. And so there's there's some version of that. So yeah, I had some really, really high expectations and really, really uh, a challenging sort of series of steps that I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course this was complicated by the fact that they found a a brain tumor following the accident. And so that complicated things and cascaded a whole bunch of decision making. But yeah, I mean, the, I came out of that with some really, really lofty expectations. And then when you get into it, the reality kind of really slaps you up a little bit yeah. and it helps you uh, really understand that, Hey, maybe your expectations are not reasonable and maybe we need to be a bit more uh, realistic. Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of that came down to maybe not that I couldn't perform athletically, but I had memory cognitive issues as well as you know, balance and proprioceptive disorders, which were fairly problematic and which is pretty complicated, especially if you're trying to ride a bike. Right. If you're trying to balance on two wheels, that's very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was also doing my undergraduate degree. So a lot of this also was even before I had this sort of unique insight, right? That was the whole, this, you know, this whole experience of going through a brain injury was the sort of incipient moment for me or the kind of uh, a spark that kind of redirected my sort of life path away from professional athletics into something like the sort of study of the brain and how it recovers. I would have liked, not that I would wish this upon anyone, but it'd be kind of interesting to be able to have that sort of deep insight, that deep training, and then have... Some sort of life experience, but I had it the other way around, which right. is
0: okay, I guess. Hey, it, it, you you were dealt that that hand, yeah. and you ran with it. You know, yeah. So I, I did want to ask you about your you put some again really heavy expectations on yourself early on, yeah. and I I don't want to say obviously percentages say that wasn't going to happen. When did it actually hit you that wow this is not attainable at least not right now? Like when and I don't want to say like when did you, the the walls and the roof start crashing down? But like when did like reality hit you in the face and say yeah you're nowhere near these goals you're gonna to have to reevaluate?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it was in the first weeks, right? It, it was not. It didn't take long to understand that you don't just bounce back from having a traumatic brain injury and then having I had multiple surgeries, multiple, multiple, reconstructive surgeries after that. So every single time I got hit and, you know, you have a goal, like, oh, I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to like a couple weeks after I was trying to get back on the bike and then I have to go get surgery and you just keep getting, you know, hit. So no, it, it was a, it was a continual process of uh, being made strongly aware that my goals and expectations were, were uh, uh, not aligned with reality. So it was a fairly, fairly quick process to realize
0: that yeah. it was okay. So it, when I didn't hit certain goals, whatever it was, you know, walking X amount of time, being able to jog, mm-hmm. but wh- whatever it was, I just, I fell into like almost really deep depression immediately because it was just like, I, I can't do these basic things like stand on one leg. Like it was just these really small goals, like these very simple things that I really took uh, for granted forever Um, And I just like mentally, I just dipped so quickly. Did you have a little bit of that like emotional dip where it's like, this is just, everything sucks. Yeah,
1: I mean, again, I can't speak for anyone else, but I mean, I'll be very, very honest about this. I think it's still something that I struggle with now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, for the better part of, geez, 12 years, my identity was basically rooted in trying to be a professional athlete. And so when you have that sort of, component of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't say forcibly removed, but removed. It really, it really causes some big changes in the way you perceive yourself, let alone how the world perceives you or you interact with the world. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a catastrophic event and it, it can fundamentally change those things. Yeah. Whenever you don't hit, you know, if you're on the path to recovery and you've already had that life shaping event and you set these unreasonable expectations, or maybe if they are reasonable expectations in some Circumstance that comes up prevents you or precludes you from hitting those goals under those certain contexts or timeframes, and yeah, no doubt it it caused grief, depression, anxiety, all of it. Uh, I think it's just completely is completely reasonable that that happens, right? Because uh, it's the expectations are not being, you know, your expectations are not being met.
0: So now, when it came to reevaluating your your expectations into figuring out, okay, well, this is my new reality right now, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When were you able to to just shift from, hey, I'm going to be an Olympic level biker again to becoming a little bit more reasonable in your recovery goals? Like, when were you able to figure out, OK, I don't have to hit the moon right now. I just have to hit like, mm-hmm. a, you know, block and a half away. <laughs> that's yeah. that's where I'm going. Like, when did attainable goals kick in?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were in terms of the athletics, it's, it's pretty the discovery of the brain tumor kind of made that a definitive um, stop. Right. So that actually kind of really caused things to not be uh, possible in the athletic side. So maybe I can provide maybe uh, an example from my experience in terms of the educational side of things. Because right. I was also doing the kind of you know, professional sportsman, but also trying to do education. And I was actually going uh, at the undergrad level for pre med. So I was hoping to be a physician. And so one of the things that I immediately kind of pivoted on was I. I had real problems with memory and sort of, uh, attention and these sorts of things. Um, and that was actually making it very, very hard. And I actually had a lot of self doubt in whether or not I could actually go back to school and do the rigorous sort of mental training, educational, uh, you know, achieve those uh, educational goals. And so I had a, a big pivot. And so I just, I changed from a genetics undergrad to, um, a physiology undergrad or a, um, of a movement science-based undergrad because i I just i doubted myself Mm -hmm. um but then i developed those those tools it took me longer i had to kind of explore how my new kind of brain worked i had to develop some strategies to be able to learn um with my new system and then i then i found that oh actually i could do this i have to do it differently Uh, it takes a different amount of time but after that pivot you figure things out, but it took a lot longer than I would have hoped for or would have anticipated.
0: Right. Do, yeah. do, were you accepting of that or did you fight it? Cause I know early on in my recovery, I fought everything. I didn't want, especially like physically. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, I'm I, not going to use this cane. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I refused yeah. to accept the fact that I needed it. The reality is, I needed it, but like I refused. So I was in a lot of pain because I resisted. It wasn't until I, I, <laughs> wasn't until I fell like a commercial, like I've fallen and I can't get up. It wasn't until I had that moment where I'm, I'm on my back, just staring at the ceiling, contemplating, well, how did I get here? Right. It, it wasn't until then where I was like, okay, I need a cane. It's not that I want it. I need a cane. But that's when acceptance happened. And once like I accepted it, it was easier for me to say, okay, now what can I do to get rid of this? damn cane i just don't want it were you accepting of the fact that you you not only physically you weren't able to do you were different physically but you were also different cognitively like especially with mm-hmm. memory you know i know the memory that's just like the worst but were you accepting or were you resistant like did it take a while for you to say you know what i think differently now are you a stroke or brain injury survivor looking for community and support well the neuro nerds are here to help join our free you so rock community platform to connect with other survivors like you Once you join our community, you'll have access to free virtual events and resources to help with your brain injury recovery. You can make new friends, jump on audio chat conversations, and even join my private coaching program to get one-on-one support. So what are you waiting for? Go to community.usorock.coach. Yes, that's .coach, not .com, and join the Uso Rock community today. I think differently now. I move differently now
1: um yeah define a while (laughs) can you you, you give me some context i mean people's perspectives are different there in terms of what those those very true
0: i can speak for me so for myself i couldn't even utter the words the phrase i had a stroke for about a year and then uh, you know the at least the first several months like holding a cane i i couldn't accept the fact that i needed it you know i'm like yeah i played you know, a, a little bit college sports. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't do this. I'm not that mm-hmm. guy. The reality was I, because I, I, I look at it through a different lens. I looked at it at, at, through a lens of I used to be so strong. Now I'm so weak and feeble when the reality is recovering from a brain injury is possibly, you know, one of the most uh, masculine, dominant, physical and emotional, spiritual, mental things anybody can do. Like It, it takes true grit to do that. To be a professional athlete, uh, as you were to be a college athlete, that takes a lot, but it pales in comparison to like brain injury recovery. You know, I just yeah. saw it differently.
1: Yeah. And I I, I, and I don't use this analogy or this comparison lightly when I talk to people that I work with, mm-hmm. uh, whether patients or people that work with us at Modus. I actually compare what they do to an athletic endeavor. And I treat them like professional athletes because what they're doing is the same level. It should be the same level of commitment and and, and rigor that a top-level athlete applies, because that's the that's actually what it requires. Now, of right. course, you don't have to do that, but if you really want to attain the most recovery possible, then that level of commitment is almost a necessity. Right. And so I I, I love that analogy, that comparison, because it is it is that grit that will really be uh, is, is exceptionally important.
0: Yeah. So you had an identity crisis i'm sure oh yeah you were hey i i am in this is a really cool thing to say out loud you know what i mean if i were you i would say constantly oh yeah i was a professional athlete that sounds amazing right you were a professional athlete and i don't know if that was your entire personality it would a hundred percent be mine. But I I just think that's a really amazing thing. Like you were part of a very unique club, a very tiny percentage of people where you were a professional athlete. And then you went from that to, I am no longer that like, that's Mm -hmm. a shock to your system. Like when now I'm not saying like you just gave up everything athletic, but actually, you know, shifting your, your personality and who you are And I know that took time. Is that something that you're still working through? Or is that something that you finally come to accept? Hey, I am a professional, maybe not be a professional athlete, but I'm a professional changing the world. Like is Mm -hmm. the fact that you're literally Dr. Nick changing the world for the better. Does that, you know, lift some of the weights of the heaviness of losing the fact that you're a professional athlete?
1: Yeah, I think this is a, a this took me probably six years years okay seven years eight years something like that <laughs> to actually understand that i was actually having a, an identity crisis it didn't oh. take me that long to real to actually deal with it it took me that long to actually go oh damn that's what I'm that actually, is <laughs> i'm actually that's what it is and to be very to be very frank about this because i don't think there's any reason to any punches with this mm-hmm. i'm still dealing with that right right i mean i still i still ride bikes now i'm not nearly as fast as i used to be right But there's something, there's some little part of my reptilian brain. That's just like, yeah, you can still do this, Nick. Right. And no, so there's still a part of me that's always going to be that little pro cyclist that just won't die. Right. Right. Uh, in my head. And maybe that's, maybe that's the better. because It'll keep me healthy. I can still ride bikes and still, you know, train and be aerobically fit in these sorts of things. But no, it is, um, for me personally, I, I think it's going to be a lifelong journey to, uh, to experience uh that that change no i so, I,
0: I love that yeah. i love the honesty and i think that if we're all being honest with ourselves it we still struggle I, the the person who has accepted this immediately and this is just what life is and and that's great there is still that thing in the back of your mind sometimes where it's like oh, yeah it is but i don't want it to be and i really miss this other thing and maybe i can still do it and like there it, it's always going to be there it's just not painfully taking over, you know, our, our mental state. I, I, Dr. Nick, that's awesome. I, I, thank you for, for being so transparent um, uh, about that, because I, I think we all feel that like we miss that old version of ourselves. I miss Joe yeah. 1.0 sometimes. Like, I love this version of myself. And Dr. Nick 2.0 is a rock star. Right. But there's still that, you know, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed doing those things. I don't think I would change anything like I wouldn't go back and not give myself a stroke. If I can go back and not give that but still have this perspective, it would be mm-hmm. great. That's not possible. <laughs> but I, I think um, I'm better for it. I, I really do. I think it's helped uh, transform me into the best version of myself. And I think I'm better not just for myself, but for the world, too, because I think I'm helping uh, yeah. a lot of people. And that's something that I wouldn't have been able to do. Um, does that bring you a little solace? Does that bring you a little joy? It the does. fact no, that now for, again, for sure. as a professional yeah. athlete, I'm sure completely different life, right? But yeah. you have literally Well, yeah, you I have don't. literally now, not figuratively, you have literally changed so many lives. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for your brain injury.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that I, that's the thing I always like. I, I have some comfort whenever I find myself in this you know, dark place. And I still find myself in those every now and then when mm-hmm. you still like, well, I still have friends who like race the Tour de France, right? Or still have people that are, are, are you know, people that I've grew, grew up with in racing. Like, yeah, they're still kicking ass and taking names um, on in a cycling community. And it's not super big in in the US, but it's, it, it was meaningful. Right. And so, but the fact that I, that life event that I went through kind of set me on a path to a series of decisions, that, of course, there's so much luck involved in this. We have to acknowledge, Joe, uh, and everyone else listening, that um, all the sort of circumstances lined up in the right time for me to then be able to, you know, have access to the education, the opportunities to gain the knowledge, the the fundamental neuroscience knowledge and the clinical knowledge, and be able to help um, develop tools that can help people. So, yeah, I I, I get a lot of value a lot of fulfillment in my life to be able to help anyone right um
0: so yeah yeah for sure I, that, that that's awesome i i am i'm i'm thankful and you know if you were just a cyclist I would know you i'm happy to know you you know <laughs> I, I i really am and i want to be hey doc I'm so happy you had a brain injury i'm not I I know the community is thankful that you're part of this community because of the the impact that that you've had on, on so many. Also, being the inside man, I just I cannot stress how important that is that we have somebody on the inside speaking for us. You know, because we have so many normies that speak for us that have no idea what we go through. So I'm really really happy that you know you you're you're our inside guy.
1: Yeah, and I think that
0: if if nothing else, there needs to be more.
1: Presence, mm-hmm. more advocacy from individuals that have actually had brain injuries. Like those advocates, need to be more explicitly involved in whatever sort of resources, tools, products, you know, whatever is being developed to help the community. We we need to have a voice there. Agreed. Um, if not explicitly involved mm-hmm. in the design implementation of of these these systems and tools and processes. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't take that lightly being able to be an advocate on the inside, as as you say. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's exceptionally important. I, I, so.
0: I think I think it's really, really cool. Like I do like it, it's. It's just cool. It's cool to have like our person there. You know what I mean? Like it it really yeah. is because you would ask questions and also you would do it. Um, you, you come from both sides, you know, you're like the day walker. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you don't have any of the devs. You have all the positives. Like you, you come from the brain injury side of the community, but you also know how to make all that stuff work. You know, you know mm-hmm. how the brain works. You also know what it is to live with a brain injury. I just think it's so valuable. Like it's just, it's, it, it blows my mind, doc. It does. And especially, especially for like the
1: topics that we're talking about today, like this, this focus on goal setting, right. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it so important to help to have that insight to be able to direct the development, like, you know, say specifically for the modus hand, right? Right. To be able to have that insight, to be able to shape the way that the interfaces work, the interfaces, I guess, the tools themselves, how they interface with with individuals with brain injury, uh, being able to shape the way that it communicates to somebody, right? right. Because, you know, so much of this focus on, on goal setting and understanding kind of what are reasonable expectations and, 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 well, first of all, what are our goals and how do we know if we're there? You know, that ability to have data right. and being able to present that data is helpful to understand, you know, where we are along that path. So, yeah, being able to kind of understand what's important to, to communicate to people uh, and then be able to explicitly incorporate that into a tool or process, um, I, I think is exceptionally important and valuable to
0: the community. And, and even the fact that you guys have taken, you've gamified recovery which hmm. is just honestly one of the most brilliant things in the world because uh recovery let's be honest it's boring it's boring it's tedious it's doing the exact same thing over and over and over again well how how do you you, you know what the modus hand is it's spices right so you basically hmm. you can eat the same food every single day It's going to keep you alive. It's going to keep you healthy, but it's boring. So what do you do to change it up? You spice it differently. I'm going to add some garlic. It's
1: your your boiled chicken breast, and you can then have, (laughs) or or you can have some Cajun chicken breast if you want some Cajun chicken. Exactly. You know, I'm going to throw
0: in in. some paprika in there. I'm going to throw in some garlic. And it's like, yeah, this is, it's the exact same thing just done differently and that's what the modus hand is it's literally you're moving your hand you're getting in the repetitions that you need to recover you're just doing it to, you're gamifying like you're doing it to a game you're doing it to you know uh, um, uh, you're, you're shooting something you're moving a guy like it makes it exciting are you finding it hard to recover at home after stroke find out if modus nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnovacom slash the neuro If you haven't heard of Modus Nova, they make devices to help folks with a brain injury, like stroke, regain the use of their affected limbs. For example, the Modus Hand is an AI-powered robotic exoskeleton that helps users do exercises and play games, similar to the way an occupational or a physical therapist might manipulate the limb. It helps survivors get into thousands of repetitions they need to form new neural pathways. It can assist with hand movements or resist them to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit ModusNova.com slash The Neuronerds to learn more. Use special code The Neuronerds when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Just visit ModusNova.com slash The Neuronerds to get started. Who knew that spices in the Modus hand are one and the same? Um, I had a question about, you know, you were part of a cycling team, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. When you guys trained it was as a team, right? Yeah, it was
1: interesting, right? So, uh, yes, in a simple sense, yes. But a lot of it's also individual. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are always, there are team camps. Right. And then you might have like a local group that you would ride with, maybe a subset of your team live local to you. Right. um, And you would ride with them. But oftentimes you're kind of um, sort of geographically dispersed. Right. Um, So you don't always train with a team every single
0: day. So when you're training by yourself, it's a little bit more of a, this is all me. And you have to have that motivation to do it. But having the having the team there and knowing that you have mm-hmm. guys to back you up on top of the fact that you, I'm sure, have some guys to keep you to, to hold you accountable when you have your brain injury, you're recovering from your brain injury. You kind of just have yourself. Did you have a team? Did you have other people in the community to kind of help give you that little nudge to kind of hold you accountable, keep you motivated to keep going? Yeah,
1: yeah, no, certainly. And I think I kind of know where you're going with this in terms of the, the community for the, the brain injury side of things. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, no, certainly, yes. Um, and thankfully, I was in a, an area where there were still members of the cycling community that were willing to, you know, unlike the first rides I ever did outside, uh, I would go, I went out with a group of people and they would literally ride around me like as a circle. If you know anything about like cycling, oh, you can wow. kind of ride around somebody to kind of protect them. Right. Um so yeah, no, uh, having the community, having the backup, having if nothing else just the recognition and the acknowledgement that you're kind of making progress, right. um is 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 huge. Uh let alone all the things that have have to happen off the bike in this case or off the athletic endeavor for you to mm-hmm. even get to that point, which is of course the family, you know, my now wife was just instrumental in that process. Right. Um, and, of course, all of the medical people, all of that was just incredible.
0: Um, you found your team. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I, I think it's really, really important to 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 have a team. You know, now we, we all, look brain injury recovery. It, it's unique. I, I always say every brain injury is, is a thumbprint. It's a snowflake. There are no two that are the same. We could be exact, have the exact same thing and react completely differently. Um, but I kind of think it's. So brain injury recovery, it's like it's like a puzzle, right? We kind of have the outline of what it is. We know what it is. We know how it started and we know where we want to go. Everything that happens in the middle, all of those puzzle pieces, I think every single survivor has a piece of that puzzle. And the more that we talk to one another, the more information we gather, we can start filling in the pieces of the puzzle. That's what I love about connecting with other survivors. Um, The tips, the tricks. That's what I love about talking to, to the inside man over here. Who has you know tips and tricks on the inside on the neurological like medical side of the, the 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 brain injury recovery community? I just think we have to talk and connect much more often. You know that's yeah. why I I'm doing my best to to build community. I just started uh, the Usual Rock community. I'm really excited about, which is cool. So it's like a it's a it's a new platform, right? Why I like it. There's a lot more interaction. And then I was talking mm-hmm. to Felice about it, and she's like, "Yeah, people are really like." interacting with each other and they're doing these things. And I'm like, yes, it's a lot like, let's say Instagram or Facebook or something like that. But when you're on Instagram or Facebook, you have an ad that pops up or you have somebody else's thing and they're doing this other thing. And then, oh, Nicki Minaj is performing here and you're distracted with all these things. This is literally just the group. It's just the, uh-huh. the rock community and it's just people helping each other out. I I, I love that. And I think it's uh, essential because I remember when I was recovering by myself It sucked. It's the best way to describe it. It was lonely. I felt isolated and it sucked. I didn't have the motivation that I did once I started connecting with other survivors. Now, I played team sports. I play, I was a basketball player. So Mm -hmm. when I trained, yes, I trained with other guys, but when we were doing like trying to get in cardiovascular shape, it's just, it's a lot of running. Running is boring, but I always had my guys there. Like I always had like, hey, I, I have to do this for me because this person's doing it too. And it's like, I had that extra little push. To, to, to keep going. That's why I was curious about like, you know, when you you were cycling, because it wasn't just you, even when you were training by yourself, I'm yeah. sure you had in the back of your mind. I'm doing this not for me. I'm doing this for us. Correct?
1: Yeah. And the other thing too is interesting. This will be hopefully a nice little kind of intro to something. The cycling is not just that you ride a bike, right? It's, it's also more so now than maybe in the 90s, or early 2000s, but it is exceptionally data driven. Mm -hmm. Um, meaning you, you collect data on your, so speed, all that stuff, that makes sense. People understand that, but we're collecting data on, you can, you can sort of, uh, stratify people's, what are called kind of workout zones or your zones of intensity that you can actually sustain for set amounts of time. And so you collect data in those areas with a power meter, or you can like heart rate zones, you can do that, but it's much more accurate to do with power. And then you can calculate how many things, how many kilojoules, how much actual workload. Uh, mathematically speaking, uh, you actually do, and this helps you to actually understand what your capacities are, how they change over time. And what's really interesting is that you actually have your coaching staff is watching that, mm-hmm. and you have planned workouts that if you don't hit, somebody knows because your data gets transmitted, and so you know you can kind of have a little bit of not only is or is your team cheering for you, but you also have kind of the the, the expectation that you have these, these certain activities that need to be met in order for you to re- reach these performance metrics.
0: Right. Um, you don't want to let down uh, the coach because they know they're where, they you know, well, that's, that's yeah. what's really cool about the modus hand because you're actually perform. You're just, you, yeah, you want to get in the reps and you want your scores to be high. Also, I want to beat that person because you're actually seeing other people's scores. You're actually competing against other people. So, you know, you're pushing yourself, but you're also pushing the other people to catch you hopefully. And if not, you know, you're, you're trying to catch them. I just, I love that extra little push that we have in the community. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing too, that's really interesting about the data side of things. And this is, this is of course kind of in the weeds, but it's important to get in the weeds every now and then. Absolutely. Um, And so the data itself Not only is it useful to kind of see how you stack up against other people, I I personally, my opinion about this is like, that's, that's great as a motivating factor, but it's not useful necessarily to help us establish what are reasonable expectations and goals for ourselves. And what the data is helpful for, the data is helpful for anchoring where you are right now and understanding sort of a range of possible outcomes that are reasonable in a given amount of time. And having that ability to measure that is important because you can know if what you're doing is is helping you go towards that goal or if it's actually detracting from you. So it actually helps you make better decisions. Is this, I was kind of wondering about that um that online platform you're talking about, mm-hmm. if maybe people can even do like, I don't wanna say kind of brain injury community science where they maybe even do data collection of themselves and they say, hey. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing it for these sorts of metrics, and it's working. It's helping me do this, that, or the other. And there's, there's ways we can kind of do some community based science to help disseminate what is kind of working for people and what's not. So I, I'm just kind of off the cuff thinking about this. Dr. Dr. <laughs> Nick,
0: have I mentioned I love your brain? I love your brain. I love the way that it, well, it, it takes me back to high school and like, you know, a little bit of uh, the next level of, of, um, yeah. uh, you know, sports um, where data was just starting to happen in the nineties, right? They just started to figure out certain things. So I had one of my assistant coaches was a really nerdy dude and he would figure out exactly like, okay, this is where you score. This is where you suffer. The, and, and I looked at it and I was like, no, I'm a better block. Put me down on the block. That's where I thrive. And he's like, yes. But then he actually showed me the data on the wing, your percentages skyrocket. And not just for you, look at where we are as a team. And I was like, it blew my mind. It really did. Because I was like, no, I'm great in the block. It's like, yes, you're good. But the team suffers like we you do better here because everybody else gets involved. It was like this really crazy mind thing. Just thinking about data, I started to think about I've been saying this to the community without realizing that I need to tell them to collect this data when we become overwhelmed or overstimulated or, you know, uh, our, our deficits just start to like take over. Why is that? I tell everybody to journal. Write stuff down, ha, ha, check your sleep, check the amount of water you're taking in. I realize when my um, deficits are, you know, just intensifying. I'm overwhelmed, right? There's something outside that that stresses me out. So then my hand starts to to suffer a little bit more. I start to forget. I'll lose words in those moments. Also, when I'm not hydrated, when I'm not hitting my water goals mm-hmm. like I. Oh, wow, I'm suffering. So I, th- I th- all of that is data. All of that is stuff that I should be writing down. And I think all of us should, too. If we if you guys don't journal, I think it's really important to journal whatever it is. A sleep journal is great to know exactly like, well, I suffered that day. Why did you suffer that day? Oh, you only have four hours of sleep the day before that. That's probably why. On top of that, you had a very stressful day the day before. So you're tired. On top of that, you're not hitting your water goals. So like all of these things, if we keep track of that, I think we'll have better days. And it's all about information. It's so crazy. It's so crazy.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really, really cool idea to try to integrate that because, as you said, there's so much information out there um, in individual people's experiences, right? Like, just, think, just imagine, you know, 7 million stroke survivors across the U.S. This is the U.S. alone. Of course, there's right. millions more across the world. But just imagine all of the unique knowledge that is garnered by one person's journey going through this over just even a set amount of time. And if we just could capture a small fraction of that, we could learn a lot about what works for people, what doesn't, based on their unique factors. But we just need to be able to figure out ways to capture this. And I think that's the intimidating thing is, I guess maybe the problem is, is it can be intimidating Absolutely. to actually, you know, when I, when, when I say as a scientist, why don't you just collect some data? And everyone's like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and let, let me just, maybe maybe let, let me just give you a quick example. This is actually something mm-hmm. that I, I recommend for people. You know, whenever you start something new, before you start something new, Let's say it's an intervention or a therapy or whatever you're doing, some exercise that's directed at, say, walking or maybe hand function. I always recommend take a picture. Better yet, take a video of you trying to do the thing that you're trying to help. In this case, let's say my my example, my canonical example is always pick up a cup of coffee. If you're trying to work on picking up a cup of coffee, take a video of yourself doing that. And it's okay if it fails. It's always okay if it fails. If it doesn't look pretty, that's fine. It doesn't matter. But you want good baseline data to see if what you're doing is actually helping you. Because you don't know. Because we live with ourselves in, in too high fidelity. Right. Right? Right. It's, easy for me, it's easy for me to get lost in like the tiny little changes that happen. I won't be able to detect that. But for instance, maybe if I look back in a three-month period, oh, yeah, I can really see a difference. Right. Um, and so being able to capture that, you know, that's just a very easy way to do this. All of us have kind of phones. You could have a care partner or a friend, or even set up a little, you know, makeshift tripod. Video yourself doing something, and then do your therapy, do your exercises, um, do whatever you need to do, and then do um, continual evaluations and see see what works and what doesn't,
0: and then you can share with the community. I I I. I I'm- Fucking love the way you think, Doc. <laughs> so I, I was thinking, even right now in 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 the you know the user rock community, I think there there should be a little group or room where it could be a a, a data driven room, right? Like, hey guys, yeah. like let's figure some stuff out, right? And everybody will just put in a, exactly what it is, either daily or weekly, and and you know, because so many things can happen from that, we can figure out some stuff. We can figure out like when we're firing on all cylinders, when we're suffering, why we're suffering. Maybe we can. You know, figure we can learn a lot more about ourselves, but also help each other through this time with data. Who knew that data was so important? Oh, yeah. Everyone in the world, all of these giant (laughs) juggernaut companies understand what data is. That's why they collect all of our stuff. It's very important. You know, it's it's filling in the gaps and, and really trying to understand like, like, like what we need moving forward. Look, bad companies do it for bad reasons. Good companies do it for good reasons. Right. So like, let's try to yeah. get this good information out there. Um, I just think that's brilliant. Doc, you're brilliant. I hope you hear that frequently because you are like, I, I, I just, I, I love the, the, the way that you think. And I love the fact that you're, you're an inside man. I'm going to send you a, a link to the, the, the community. I'd love for you to check, te- check it out. And if you have any thoughts or ideas, Obviously, I listen to you because you're brilliant. <laughs> so and the way that Doc Nick thinks, right, this is what Modus Nova is. It's very it's very well thought out. It's very well put together. It has that little extra brain injured love and care by and like, honestly, I and, and I say this like in all seriousness, even though I joke all the time, that extra little comforting hug that modus is, I really think that's you doc. I do because you're speaking for us. You're speaking for our community because you're part of this community, not just on the outside because you work with us, but you've experienced what it's like to live with a brain injury, to move forward with a brain injury, to heal and recover from a brain injury. And it's so invaluable. And I'm like beyond thankful for everything that you do and will do for our community. You're a rock star doc. Thanks, sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's uh I don't take it lightly, and uh, I mean I appreciate the, the accolades, but I, it does it's not needed. I I, I do this because I want to do it, and I, I I love I love what I do, and, and i I feel very fortunate to be able to do it. So yeah, and I think being able to put the effort and kind of have the team at Modus really um, adopt um, and really internalize that mission, which is basically we you know we want to see a world where everyone reaches their maximum medical recovery. Um, that's really what we want. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's really great that we not only have a team that really ingests and, and puts forward that mission, but also the fact that they're very adept at these sort of next generation type of thinking, like the data, for instance, those ideas about using data to help people optimize their outcomes. It is, it is well within our wheelhouse. It is one of our, one of our chief sort of focus areas.
0: So it, it, it's so brilliant. And so is Dr. Nick. And definitely check out uh, Modus Nova. Go to modusnova.com. Is it? You got Go it. Go to Modusnova.com. You can also check them out on the socials at Modus Look, the, they I I said there's a lot of companies out there, there a lot of um, you know, uh, brain injured accessories um and and helpful things. This is a company that I truly believe in and I care about. So definitely uh, uh give them a listen. You also do something on Facebook, don't you, Doc?
1: I do. I don't do as much as I, I
0: probably should. It's one of these things that I would
1: very much love to be able to, to have a one-on-one conversation with every stroke survivor, every survivor of an AVM, for instance, or traumatic brain injury um, or, or spinal cord injury. But yeah, I, it's really tough to do that. So I will do my best to uh, communicate on the socials and um, and try to, you know, if I got really good questions, I try to post them as well. Uh, and so send me your good questions and I will do my best to answer them directly. And then maybe we can share them with the world if you, feel, if you feel comfortable with that, because
0: then we can we can learn um, from each other. Hey, that, that's getting that data out there like it's it's essential, not just for us, but for the community. Look, we're, we're Dr. Nick, you're leaving an incredible impact on, on not just this community, but this world. I'm so thankful for it. Um. So, definitely, you can reach out to Dr. Nick. Um, uh, go to modusnova.modusnova.com as well as at modisnova on the socials. If you want to attempt to reach out to my tiny, beautiful, ass kicking co host, Lauren, you can at Lauren L. Manzano on Instagram. You can reach out to me at Josel Rocks on all the socials. You can reach out to us at the Neuro Nerds everywhere. Doc, so thankful for you. I really am. Also, just want, I haven't said it enough this episode. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops at some point. Dr. Nick Housley, very attractive man. Just saying it. Just throwing it out there. You know, I just wanted to say that. I appreciate you so much. And on that slightly awkward note, this neuro nerd is out. <laughs> Doc, that was awesome. <laughs> that was really cool. I think that was- <laughs> hey, survivors, caregivers and nerds of all kinds. We are so grateful for each and every one of you who have taken the time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes our day. Not only do we read every single one, but we love reading them on our episodes. So if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us spread the word about the show. And when you do, just let us know by tagging at the Neuronerds on Twitter. We might even read your review on our next episode.